title of my message uh, is Restoring Unity Through Relationships, uh, week two. It's interesting, too, we're, that we're starting our community groups next week, and we're starting with our teaching on Wednesday night from 7 to 8. Hope all of you will come out. We'll sign up to get in a community group and get really closer to someone in this church and uh, learn the places that you need to get free in your in inside yourself where maybe relationships have hurt you. This is a time that God wants to really just restore us. And then next Sunday, if you're interested, just to want to check out and see what this church is like, there's a membership class at 9.45, Dory, 9.30, and just come be here. And it doesn't mean you have to sign up to be a member, but you can just understand who we are and see if you want to join. So that's 9.30 next Sunday. Okay, we know that there's all kinds of unity going on. People unifying around gun control now. Political parties, are, uh, there's gangs. Um, there's, uh, back, back a few years ago, a long time ago, I guess, it started in the 70s, Save the Whales, uh, Save the Spotted Owl, people gathering around uh, Save the Trees. I mean, there's just all kinds of things you can get, uh, get involved with, and there's a unity, there's a cause behind those things that people get involved with. But I want to encourage you that the greatest cause there is is our unity around the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only is there a unity and something that's going to be temporal, but there's a unity that's going to take us into eternity. There's a unity in the body of Christ, in the local church, that is going to cause people to rally, rally together. But there's a power in Jesus Christ, and there's a power in the kingdom of God that those other things that are good and seem like they're addressing things, they don't have a power that Jesus has. And Jesus wants to save and change the world and only as we come together will we see that power manifested. Because as people receive Jesus Christ, they receive the power to be transformed and changed. Uh, I just wanted to read this, Matthew 24, 6-12, Signs of the Time. Jesus tell, is telling us what's coming. It's great to have Jesus in our heart. It's great to have the Word of God uh, better and more uh, ahead than tomorrow's newspaper. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Haven't we been hearing that the last couple days? But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And haven't they been telling us in California that we're the big one's coming? All these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated of all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Here we've been talking about uh, in starting over about forgiveness. For us to start over, we have to be able to forgive people. And he talked last week about dealing with our bitterness, getting those roots of bitterness out. Why? So we can be free to start over. We can be free from the past offenses and the past people who have hurt us so that we might live that new life. So this is really, Jesus was talking to us about people hating each other. In verse 11, it says, And there will be many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now, I put this together this last week, but Dory tells me today, and our leaders are going through a prophetic class for one hour after church, that she's going to be talking, the subject in our book is talking about false prophets. Um, they will appear and to deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Anybody seeing an increase of wickedness around? To make you feel like, oh, I don't want to trust or love anybody? This is what Jesus is telling us is happening in our day. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
And we are in this place, and that's why it's so important for unity. That's why Jesus was praying for his disciples and his followers, that there would be a unity, that they would be one. That's why it's so important in the body of Christ, as things are getting so bad in the world, that we are receiving and walking in a unity that is endorsed and and built into us by the Holy Spirit that makes us safe people and makes us safe with each other that we can have trusting relationship because as we see it get difficult and more darker out there we have each other Lord you know to cling to and to hear God from and then to step out and be the people of God that we're to be those of you who have come to the Lord and you're growing and you feel the activity of the Holy Spirit you know that something rises up inside of you that counters fear it counters your own weakness and temperament. It counters your own doubts. It counters who you've been. And, and it gives you a hope about what God wants to do in you. Unity around Jesus, the true cause. In Amos 3.3, 3, Amos wrote, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction in which they want to walk? We preach Jesus Christ because we believe there's a powerful transformation happens when you said, you know what, my sins are big. I'm tired of living the way I live. I'm tired of being in brokenness. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please come in, forgive me my sin, and give me a new life. And at that moment, there's transformation because your spirit becomes alive and you are able to hear the God of the Bible. You'll be able to hear who Jesus is, you'll be able to have the Holy Spirit speak to you and you start fanning the flame inside of hearing and recognizing the voice of God. You come into this place where you have insider information, God's being able to speak to you and lead you in your everyday life. But it's only the beginning. It's a powerful thing that happens. And the ability to see that you need more of God causes you to see that you need to be part of His body. It says in Corinthians that we're each a part of the body of Christ. We each have a uniqueness, but as we come together in the fullness of who God is to us and the fullness of how the Holy Spirit releases to you the gifts of God and you come to know and understand those gifts and how to use them, you find that you become a great part of a, of a local church, part of the universal body of Christ by using your gift, by plugging in with other people, by getting stronger in your faith and encouraging one another so that many of you have experienced too that as you're in the local church, when you're feeling down, you become encouraged. As you come to prayer, people are praying for you and you, you feel encouraged. You walk out in your natural mind. It, it's trying to, to figure everything out and, and feel everything out. And you think like, well, what just happened? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that God is real. Though we can't see him, he's working in those who believe in Jesus Christ. We have a model uh, for this unity. All the way through the Bible, it talks about God building. First, he comes to Moses, God's people, and reveals he wants a temple built a place where people can gather. Then uh, David builds the temple. You know, the, the, through history, the Bible deals and talks about how Israel goes through these hot and cold times with God. They come close to God, they see miracles, and then they cool off in their heart, and then, then they come into bondage, and other nations defeat them. And then it comes to them again, wow, we drifted from God. And so they repent. God is so forgiving and loving. They come back to God. They're assembled at the temple again. They're in fellowship with each other. They get strong. They're possessing uh, their enemies. They're moving into the areas of inheritance in their land, and they're, they're doing good. Then they go through the cool-off period again. How many like us, we go through hot and cold times where it's just the nature of who we are as human beings in this world? But I tell you, this is a time 
This is the time that God wants to fire up his people. This is the time he, he wants us to be so hot for him. This is the time he wants to be so full of the spirit and walking with God that we begin to see each other like Jesus sees us with potential, with love, with the ability to forgive, with growth, with knowing that we have the answers for the world. And it's interesting that, you know, Jay is so being led by the Spirit. He prays, he seeks God, and every time he brings us a new series, it seems to be right where God wants to take us. Thank you, Jay. So in Ezra 1.5, it says, The family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. I believe it's time again that God is moving in the local church. In the last number of years, they, they see that there's been a decline in the local church. But I believe in the darkness of these hours and where it is in history, I believe that the body of Christ is going to start rising and the local churches are going to start being filled again because people are seeing that there's nothing that the world has to offer and there's too much fear, there's too much opposition, and we need an anchor for our soul and that anchor is the true Jesus Christ. There are many false doctrines, there are many false religions, but there's nothing like the power of Jesus Christ and what God is doing in his church. The disciples were moved in their hearts and in their spirit to put Jesus first. There was something that happened to each one of those followers of Jesus when they met Jesus. Something came in that far displaced every other thing that they were looking or going after. There was something that filled this insatiable appetite for God, in which, is, which was man's spirit. It was the disciples in their spirit. They had a hunger for God, and it wasn't filled until they met Jesus. Yes, many of them were, grew, grew up in the religious in the religious uh, realm, and they heard uh, the stories about Moses, and they heard what the, 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 t the priests taught them in the temple, and maybe even some of them had an opportunity maybe to be priests, but they were disqualified and looked away. But somehow Jesus came on the scene, and he began to call out men, he began to call out women to come alongside and to help build that kingdom of God. And there was a strong force of women that were alongside of those apostles and Jesus that saw the glory of God as they moved. And God is calling for a greater glory because the Holy Spirit is on the earth right now and it's moving through us. It's moving through anyone that will say, let's rise up. Let's go build the kingdom of God. Maybe you're in a place where you're, you've tried to build things and you think it just falls apart or you've had dreams and goals and visions and they just, they don't, they're not even satisfying when you get there or you feel like it's a carrot. It's always a little farther out in front of you, the horse, then you're always just getting to it and someone else slips in and takes away and you finally are saying, I am done with chasing these empty dreams. I want something that's going to be lasting. I want something that's going to take me into eternity. Maybe you've gone through a loss. Maybe you've seen someone die and you realize, what am I laboring so hard for? So hard for? Where is my insurance? Do I have an eternal life insurance? Am I investing in my future that I'm going to live forever? And that's when we begin to get the, the mind of God. That's when we begin, we begin to change. We begin to get on course with what God has for us. And we find that God really is good and he has good things for us. You know, God is funny. I feel like sometimes, how many like when someone gives you a secret, a secret admirer or somebody or someone in your family just drops a gift and you like, you're surprised but it's something you wanted? Does that, does that tickle you? Okay, probably about 10, 15 years ago, I, I grew up in, you know, my dad operated different equipment. And I got, as 10 years old, I was operating different pieces of equipment. Then I worked, you know, driving truck, cranes. I mean, I, I loved to operate equipment. Well, about 10, 15 years ago, I said, you know, Lord, someday I'd like to operate some kind of a track layer, you know? I tell you, we had to rent a backhoe over here to, uh, to dig, and I, the guy showed me how to do it because Joe wasn't here, so I, I got checked out on it and parked it. Yesterday morning, I realized God 
just let you run a track layer yesterday. I mean, come on. Is God good? God is good. But our circumstances and our temporal environment will say he doesn't answer prayer. He doesn't give us the desires of our heart. If we put God first, he keeps overwhelmingly doing little things for us that show us he cares about us. He cares about the little things that we care about and that we think like no one cares about. God is good to, to put his stamp of approval on your life and say, I'm with you. And I, I'm looking how to, to be a good father to some, somehow, sometimes I just allow you to do something or have something happen that you wanted to happen. That's because God is good. You need to increase when the call of God, with the call of God to follow Jesus. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That seems hard. And you know what? There are hard times when you say, you know what? You know what? We feel this. That's the thing is, too. We know as Christians when God is asking us to follow a little closer. We know when, he, when the cross says, I want you to give that up. And, and it's that wrestling match that we do to surrender because we have to trust that God has something better. And I've told you, if you've been here before, I've told you in the past, when I felt like he pulled the plug on me working where I was enjoying my job and operating equipment, when he told me to come and start a church, I wrestled with that. But I have to tell you, doing what God wanted is far, has been far greater exciting thing and has offered so much more future of dreams, goals, and potential than er anything I ever did at work. Because at work, I learned certain things, but it got old. It got routine. But serving Jesus, it's always a challenge. It's always ups and downs. It's always the highs and lows, the glory, and then, oh, I'm going through it. But it always pays off with something better. And so Jesus is saying to his followers, you must take up your cross and follow me. As we all respond to God's call, just like the disciples who became apostles and then went out and started churches, as we grow, there's a growth that happens in us, and there's a multiplication that'll take place. We'll see this church grow up, and we'll see people sent out. We'll see new work started. We'll see things happen. Life is always in transition and change, and somehow the way we are, we want everything to be controlled and manageable, controllable, and so we can figure it out. But God is like so much bigger than that. But he wants to build, and he wants to, he wants to reach a world. You know what? It's attractive to, to follow one who wants us. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants all of you. He just doesn't want you to have fire insurance so you don't have to go to hell. He wants you to have the whole life policy. He wants you to have life now, freedom from sin, freedom from those dark things that have controlled your life, addictions, sexual things, whatever has, has tried to trap you and hurt you, Jesus has more for you. Jesus wants to unfold relationships. He wants to unfold a vision. He wants to unfold something that's going to last you all the way through your life. As goals keep getting achieved, he wants to give you new goals, new dreams, new purposes, new directions to follow so that your life is an exciting life. It's an overcoming life. This starting over that we've just finished is awesome. When you think about it, if you could just say, when you wake up in the morning, I'm done with yesterday. What is going to go on today? I'm walking with Jesus. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is resident inside of my heart. What can I fear? What can I lose? I can face the world because I'm not facing alone. 
In John 14, 15, Jesus still says to us, if you love me, keep my commands. That's the test of love with God. That's the test of love with Jesus. And it's a good example for us to examine ourselves. Are we really loving God? Are we being obedient to what his word commands? And are we reading his word? I get to talk to you for a few minutes on Sunday. You've got to be in your word reading. You've got to be eating the bread of life, the word of God for yourself every day. Anybody not eat but just once a week? You can tell I eat every day. You've got to eat the word. My pastor challenged me in the Baptist church when I was 13 years old. He, from the pulpit, he said, you've got to read the Bible. And from that time on, I started reading my Bible every day reading my Bible. When I started my job as a janitor, I had a New Testament in my pocket. I whipped that thing out every time I had a break. At lunchtime, I'd finish my lunch and I'd open my Bible. When I was working and the guys were pulling out their pornography and stuff like that, I'd be pulling out my Bible, reading my Bible, reading the Word, taking the Word in. The Bible says we're washed by the Word. When we take the Word in, it brings seed for our future, brings seed of what God wants to speak to us and how He wants to change it. It brings faith to us to renew our mind and our and our and our emotions because when our mind and emotions get together and they're contrary to the to the word or they're contrary because of our circumstances we believe the word we start having something in our spirit where we believe what the word says and we don't go by what our mind says and what our feelings and emotions say and that's how we we become overcomers that's how we grow stronger in our faith by getting into the word you can look at the bible think oh no it's too much start in the new testament Start reading. Put a bookmark in there. Maybe read one chapter at a time or read 10 minutes at a time, but start taking it in. You're going to start seeing the results. You're going to start hearing God in a way you've never heard him before because when you read the word, you're feeding your spirit and you're renewing your mind to what God's word says and you're finding you're becoming a stronger and stronger person. Where you're getting stronger is in your spirit. You may get older. Your flesh may get tired. You may get sick sometimes, but in your spirit comes the strength of God the strength to rise up and you find yourself saying sometimes no to things that you used to say yes to. Saying no sometimes to friends who would, you know would get you going the wrong way. That's called growth in the spirit. And that comes from your relationship with God and from taking in the word of God. Um, in uh, John 14, 21, Jesus went on to say, whoever has my commands and keeps them, okay, knowing the word and then keeping the word, to them is the one who loves me. So that's proof of our love. The one who loves me will love, be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. What a promise. Okay, I'm learning what the Word says, then I'm practicing keeping the Word, and then it says that God will take another step and then begin to reveal Himself in a greater way. How many want a greater revelation of God personally? I do. And so being in the Word and loving God and loving His Word and obeying His Word creates the atmosphere. It's like the formula for you to experience God. The proof of our love for God in John 14, 24, Jesus says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. There's a good check. You find yourself knowing the Word of God, but you keep doing the opposite. That's a check, that something is off in your life. A command in Matthew 20, 19 and 20. Jesus said to the apostles, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have to walk with people coming in. We have to grow in patience with people as they're stumbling in their walk, as sometimes backsliding. But it's us 
who stand with people that allow God by the Holy Spirit to make disciples out of people. If there was no church, it would be really hard to make disciples. If there was no homes for babies, how would babies grow up? We wouldn't just leave them in the hospital. People need to be nurtured. New Christians need to be nurtured. If you're new here or just a new Christian, we have a foundations class that my wife teaches every week at 930. You can go get a little coffee and you're hearing the foundations of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and what it means to start taking those baby steps and growing in your own faith so you can really your life can amount to something. So you could have the, the best relationships. I say people are out there right now and they want to use people. But if you have Jesus, you can have a check to say, is that person really somebody I need to give my life to or get involved with? The Holy Spirit can check you and keep you on that road with him and preserve you for that right relationship that God has for you. In John 12, 47, Jesus is God's love. Jesus says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So Jesus was the complete embodiment of God in the area that God, of God's love. So it says that Jesus came not to judge us, but to love us. That's unconditional love. That we come to Christ not, be, not to work for it, but because it's just there, we receive it. But Jesus kind of expands himself and his word and in john 1 1 and 2 it talks about jesus being the revealed word of god that jesus was all man and all god in a human form but jesus also was the word of god the the word of god that created everything that was created in the beginning that jesus was right with god and the holy spirit when everything was created our world and the whole universe and everything was made, was made by God. And God spoke everything into existence. So it was Jesus, the word. That word went out and created life. So here's what Jesus said in John 12, 48 and 49. And people who talk about Jesus just being love, just Jesus' love, that's true. But Jesus moved on from love. Jesus, the word, speaks more. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words that I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his commandment leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus' unconditional love requires a response from us. I am loved unconditionally. It doesn't matter what I have done, how bad I've been, unconditional love that Jesus came and died for us was that we would respond. And when we respond, he wants us to begin taking in his word and his commands so that we can be changed, so we can be different people than we've been. He doesn't want us to remain in sin and just, oh yeah, Jesus loves me, but he, he brought that back to like, now the word is someday going to judge. If you're not getting right with me, if you're not going on with me and being my disciple, if you're not letting salvation take its full place in your life you're going to miss out power to be changed when we receive jesus in john 1 12 says something begins to happen in our life that brings further transformation um i think about the exodus in israel israel exited from egypt and egypt was synonymous with sin and bondage 
In Numbers, 20, Numbers 33, 2-5, At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages of their journey, and this is their journey by stages. The Israelites set out from Ramesses on the 15th day of the first month, the day after Passover. They marched out defiantly in full view of the Egyptians, who were bearing all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. For the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. I feel like this goes so well with what we've been talking about the last four weeks on, on Thrive Night. The crossing is to start over. They crossed out of Egypt. They crossed through the Red Sea to start over. We receive Jesus so that we can cross out of sin and bondage, cross out of everything negative that's happened to us, cross out of bitterness, cross out of resentment, to cross out of anything that has been inputted into our life to hinder our life that we might start over. And starting over with Jesus is the most profound thing that we can do. And sometimes because we're in the process of renewing our mind and being different people, we get deceived. Satan's always working again through our past experiences, through the influences around us, through the demonic atmosphere that we can't see that tries to influence us the way we think and feel so that we sometimes trip up. But I tell you, Every day we can start over when we call on the Lord, when we examine ourselves, and if we see we're not walking according to the Lord, we ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, that's our ticket to start over. That's our ticket to look forward and to move forward in Christ and what he has for us. You can turn to your Bibles. I want to go through a few verses in Exodus. Time is good. I love when the time's good. I want to start in verse 14. Well, Chapter 14, rather. Exodus 14, verse 21. Then this is right at the Red Sea. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And he made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. I tell you, there is opposition to your spiritual growth. There is opposition to you being part of what God wants to do in his kingdom, part of being in a local church, there is opposition. But I tell you, as Moses lifted up his rod over that sea, there was something supernatural and spiritual that began to break through the thick waters of the Red Sea that parted it. God knew they needed to be able to get through that sea to leave Egypt and everything that represented bondage behind them. And it was God that did. I tell you, whatever's standing against you today, whatever stands, no matter how many times you started today, I tell you, the Holy Spirit stands before you to break that stronghold that you can have a way out. Verse 22. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. you got to keep stepping in. You have to dare to follow Jesus and step in where he wants you to step. Verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. I tell you, when God begins to part the way for a Christian, when someone comes to Christ, all hell marshals against them. Just like Jesus told in the parable about the sower, when you receive the seed of the word of God, everything is going to come after to steal that seed. Because Satan knows if you commit to Christ, if you commit your life to the Lord and to live an overcoming life, he wants to steal that seed. Because he knows if you go that direction, if you let that seed take place, that he is lost. 
and you're going to become a strong man and woman of God. You're going to see things that you wouldn't have seen. You're going to walk with God, and you're going to go into eternity with a great load of offerings to the Lord, and you're going to feel such in love with God, and you're going to be so used by God. But I tell you, just like they came against uh, the, the Israelites, just how Egypt came against the Israelites, it's, that's, the, that's how Satan was. It was Satan moving through the Egyptians, trying to keep them in captivity and bondage. Verse 24 says, Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. I tell you right now, God's looking over you, and some of you are wrestling in decisions that need to be made and choices that God's wanting you to make, and the enemy's trying to hold you back into something and keep you from moving forward. I tell you, the Lord is looking down. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is looking on you, and the Holy Spirit wants to trouble the enemy. The Holy Spirit wants to trouble everything that's coming against you, every doubt, every fear, every lie. The Holy Spirit is marshalling his forces, even the angelic forces to stand and say, I am with you. If you will stand, you will see something break. You will be the man or woman of God that you are called to be, and you will have a great triumph in your life. It is the Word. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Godhead, and He's looking down on us. He wants to keep us and deliver us from bondage. He doesn't want us to go back to Egypt. He wants us to live a new overcoming life. In Exodus 14, 25, and God took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. I tell you, there are people around you, there are people around you that if you will live for God, It'll be like this statement. They're going to see God through your actions. They're going to see God through your words. They're going to see God by the things you deny that you're not going to do anymore and the conversations you're not going to involve yourself anymore. They're going to see a difference. You may feel come under judgment for all, but there'll be a day when they come and they ask for the wisdom of God. They ask you to pray for them. They ask, what's the answers for my problems? And that's what God wants to do. There's a separation happening. We see it here in the scriptures, but it's so happening for us in the spirit because God is dividing lines. He's drawing lines and he's setting boundaries and he's aligning his church. He's making his church stronger and stronger. There must be a great church before Antichrist comes on the scene. There must be a great rising of the body of Christ before Antichrist comes on and does his thing against, against God. The final rebellion against what God's going to do. Then in verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and on their chariots and on their horsemen. It's that same thing about the word of God. Jesus came as unconditional love and died for us. But Jesus' love is now, according to his word, he's saying, Grow, come under me, obey my commands, get submitted in a body, because judgment is coming. And there's a time right now, and it's going to be until Jesus comes back, where this is a grace time. This is a time to get your life right, let God work in you. This is a time to let him change what he wants to change, so that when he comes as the judge, as the line of the tribe of Judah, judgment won't touch you. The word of God that was spoken will come as, as a judgment against you because you're walking under the blood of God. Paul wrote, if we judge ourselves, if we examine ourselves and judge our behavior and our attitudes and our actions, judge our heart condition, we won't be judged. But we go on with this uh, kind of like a, a, a greasy grace attitude that I'm just in the love of Jesus and I can keep living disobedient. We're fooling ourselves. 
We must come under what the word of God says that we might grow and become overcomers that Jesus paid the price. He didn't pay the price for us to stay in our sin and to stay complacent. He came that we might be overcomers, that we would take advantage of this presence and power and be the overcoming body of Christ. And Moses stretched out his hand. To me, it represents spiritual leaders. This might think I'm blowing my own horn. I didn't ask to be a spiritual leader. God told me he wanted me to be a spiritual leader. I tell you, we stand in a place that are, are often disrespected and think, thought of nothing, and it goes along with our culture and our society today. No one trusts leaders. No one respects leaders. And there's a vast rebellion and independence that's rising in people's own lives and even in the body of Christ that's resisting because of the, what we read earlier, because of sin and iniquities. People aren't trusting. that they don't, they don't have love anymore because people don't trust authority. But I tell you, there is godly authority. And I may misrepresent God unintentionally, but I tell you, if you will submit under a, a church, if you will submit under local leadership, you will experience the blessing and protection of God like nowhere else. And Moses was that representation. You could read his story. I mean, he was persecuted because the people were in rebellion and they didn't obey God. And he was finally angry and struck that rock and rock instead of speaking to it to get water. He didn't get to go in the promised land. God does not want to be rep misrepresented by his leaders. Nevertheless, he calls leaders into place. There are people out here that God is going to call into leadership. He's going to call, you're going to lead things to be a, a leader for Christ. You're going to lead things to be a minister for Christ. You're going to lead things to find a, a, a cross and a pain and yet a greater fulfillment of serving your Father in the kingdom of God. But God calls spiritual leaders. Verse 28 and 29. Then the waters returned, covering the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were at wall to them on their right hand and on to their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You know, at our prophetic, um, at our uh, advisory summit this year in January, we came to the end of, on our last day and we realized that there's a lot of things that have been done in faith. A lot of prophetic words have been followed and been prayed over and we're believing for. But the word came up that this year we would see what God has promised. And I believe that for today. I believe we're at this place that we are to see there's a place you need to believe in your life that you're going to see something that's going to help your soul believe. Just like, just like Thomas was in that place where he said, unless I see the nail prints in your hands, unless I put my hand in your side, I can't believe. And you know, Jesus was gracious to allow him to see. I tell you, God wants you, spirit, soul, and body. He wants your whole mind, emotions, and intellect to be able to believe. And so I believe you're going to have breakthroughs and things you're going to see. They're going to encourage you in your faith. Our key verse today is conversion. In Matthew 8, 2 through 3, Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you be converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I almost, Denise, I was always going to ask if little Brenya, I mean, little Piper could come in here today. Because talk about someone who's growing up in the church 
a smile on her face who tells her mom and her grandma, I want to I, I come to church. I can't, can't wait. Is this a church night? Is this a church day? Jesus wants us to become like little children again where we're, we have our innocence restored to us. And I know there's a lot of stories out there where your innocence is gone. But I tell you, Jesus wants to restore your innocence. God wants to take you back to where you were a little child again. And maybe your childhood started up being messed up at an early age. I tell you, the Holy Spirit has the power to part the Red Sea. He has the power to part you from that which has hurt and damaged you, that you might walk as a little child with the love of God, with the forgiveness of God, and with the grace of God, and to be in such deep relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To be converted. Strong says, a turning of the soul and the will to the brightest being. You know, we try to do so many things to better our life. We try so many different products to better our life, to help us look better. One of the greatest things you can do for your looks is to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit and the love of God because it shines out of your face. I see people, I see people who are walking with God. I see their face even looks different. There's like a glow on their face. It's like it doesn't, it, it transcends makeup. It's the power and glory of God. The English lexicon says that to be converted is to change one's belief with the focus upon that to which one turns, to turn to come to believe, to come to accept Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Conversion for Israel happened at the Red Sea. They physically left Egypt, sin and bondage. And then there's another part of conversion is the part of transformation. I was thinking about transformation. It's like when you see that caterpillar become the butterfly. A total transformation, a total difference from what that caterpillar was into now being in flight and looking beautiful. I was thinking as I went to, um, they wanted me to go to a kidney specialist since I only have one kidney now. And he said, I want you to just relax. You're doing good. But he said, your, your one kidney is going to get bigger. It's going to do the work of two or do more of the work that two are doing. There's a transformation going in our bodies. It says that every seven years, our body is completely transformed and remade. The Holy Spirit wants to do an incredible transformation in our life, and it happens when we surrender to Jesus. And sometimes surrendering is sometimes daily, different times during the day, because we get off in our thoughts, or we get off in our actions, or we get off in our words, but we just simply ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness for people. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for what I've said. Forgive me for just maybe how I'm looking right now because I'm processing things. And I sometimes w the way we look and feel, people think we're mad at them. God wants to transform us. Part of it is a renewing of our mind, which will come by the word and godly counsel from people and friends that will gather around you and support you and to accept God's perfect will. Yeah, there's times when we're doing things that, how can this be your perfect will? This is painful. This is hard. But after you get through a few things, you realize, yeah, God's will is perfect. I so appreciate um, Mitchell today in prayer. He was saying, God, thank you for this church. Thank you that this church was here. Because there's times I'm thinking, God, why did you want another church in Hollister? Why did you send us here? Thank you, Mitchell. I appreciated that. Definition of transform is to remodel, to change into another form. You know, we, did, we know the Israelites, 
when they crossed out of the Red Sea, they were happy in that moment. But then in the wilderness, they began to go through some things that were difficult. We understood that that first generation died off because even though they had left Egypt, Egypt was still a part of their heart, their mind, and their emotions, part of their soul. And so they, they were never quite able to just trust God throughout that wilderness experience, so they died. Wilderness is where the work of transformation takes place. It's those places that are difficult, those places that are testing your faith, the oppositions that come to your will. That's your wilderness, but in the wilderness is where your transformation is going to come. It's in your wilderness is where Jesus really is, just like he was with the children of Israel. It says he was even the water that they received. The, the water, he was that spiritual rock behind the scene that they didn't recognize that was walking with them. Jesus is with you. No longer are you to be as scared of your wilderness, but you're to embrace it because in your wilderness, you're going to see Jesus. In your wilderness, you're going to experience a transformation that's going to bring you into the change that you really long for and you haven't been able to do on your own. In Philippians 2.12, Paul tells us we have part in our transformation. He wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and his good pleasure. Fear, there was like a number of different definitions of fear, but right here it just means to have a profound respect and awe of the deity, God, who is in you, a reverence and awe. That you come before God in your brokenness and the places you need to be changed and you just say, here I am. Here I am. I can't fix myself, but I need you to transform me. I'm so hungry for transformation. I so want to change. That's what happens, too. We go along doing our own thing, and that's where godly sorrow starts working, where we finally say, I don't want to do this anymore. That's the work of God in our heart. There's one thing I wanted to talk about before it's over here. And it's in, you can look at it this week, it's in Exodus 5. And when the time of Israel's deliverance came, there was an increase demand on the children of Israel to produce. They were such slaves, they were driven, they were beaten. And because they voiced, in Exodus 5, because they voiced, Moses voiced that they needed to be delivered, they needed time to go out and worship God. Pharaoh said, you're too lazy. You're not working hard enough. I'm going to take away the straw and you have to make brick without straw. And there's such a correlation today when we accept Christ. Satan comes just like he came through Pharaoh and puts a greater demand. When you come to Christ, when you start feeling just this drawing, watch for the distractions to come. Watch for other priorities to come. Watch for even good things to demand more of your time and attention. It's a distraction. Just like Pharaoh wanted them to make more bricks. And he said, don't let the quota go down. Even though you're not getting your own straw anymore, I don't want any reduced quota. And I tell you, I've seen it happen over and over again when people come to the Lord. There comes these other demands that would steal you away from the kingdom of God 
and greater experiences with God, greater peace, greater love, greater joy, purpose, but they come in the way of distractions. And I just want to leave you that today. If you want to pray, just meet God on your own. Just talk about starting over, forgiving, wrestling with God, asking for transformation. Come over here on my right, your left. No one will bother you. If you want prayer, if you want someone to pray over you, if you want even just being open that maybe God, someone would have like a, a word of God from you, come over here on my left, your right, and someone will pray for you.